Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1. And if a soul sin, hear, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness, whether he hath seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or a carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. And if he touch the uncleanness of man whatsoever, uncleanness it be, that a man shall be defiled withal, and it be hid from him when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. I want you to pay attention to that, when he knows it. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and if it be hid from him when he knoweth it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin which he hath sinned, a female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the goats for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. And uh, uh, we uh, feel like that the Lord would have us to preach tonight uh, with a thought in it may be a little different if you'll just stay with us till the service is over and uh, listen for a little while. I want to preach tonight, God help us, on are we guilty or not guilty. And, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we have a, a system today that we, we uh, our judicial system, it has flaws. Yes, it does. It's not always just right. There's flaws within the judicial system of trying to find out uh, if someone is guilty or not guilty. Um, and oftentimes, um, some cases are kicked around and kicked out because of some little flaw, and they never really get to the bottom of it to find out who's guilty or not guilty. And so, uh, uh, as, as looking in, in that sense, and we, we, uh, we see that oftentimes that uh, fancy-dancy lawyers' technicalities can hinder of finding out the real truth about anything. And you know, tonight the devil would like for us not to know the truth. What will the truth do for us, the Bible said? Do what? It's something about freedom associated with, with the truth. And uh, here in the book of Leviticus, as we have been studying in Sunday school class, about the, all the offerings and the peace offerings and all the different things, and as today our Sunday school lesson was about uh, how that they offered strange fire from Nadab and Abihu and how that the, they were influenced by an intoxicated drink that caused them to lose their senses of right and wrong. And so God established a, 
uh, a thing to where that people would know the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, to where that people would be know would know whether they're guilty or not guilty, and and so here was this uh, concerning touching unclean things and and uh, for for much of what I read here, it was those times that when sometimes people did not realize what they were doing was unclean or breaking a law. But somewhere in the process of all of this, it said here, once they become aware of it, they are found guilty. And uh, I, I'm not real sure and I'm not real satisfied. Uh, several of us work in the school system. And uh, there's a flaw within our school system, Brian. If a child would, would uh, have a complaint on a teacher, and uh, that they will lie on them, and has been proven they've lied on teachers a lot about things. We've had cases uh, throughout our county and other counties where people have lied on teachers. And but but the thing, and I asked, we had a meeting several a couple years back with social services. We sat in the meeting, and and uh, if uh, they there, I don't know how it is other places. I know how it is in Smith County. And uh, when, when you're accused of anything, you're automatically guilty in their eyes, believe it or not. And so they sat there, and, and they were attempting to talk down to us. And, every, and, and in their sense of thinking that when everything was told, then immediately the teacher is discharged on a temporary level. And uh, just as soon as it hits the community newspaper, you know, hello, and all of that, he's guilty as a egg-sucking dog. Before he's ever tried, he or she, a lot of she's now, they're guilty according. And so that person is dismissed from the work with pay, but they're not allowed with any, any school functions or anything until they prove that they're innocent, not where they're guilty. But immediately it, it is assumed, and they can say that it's not that way, but it is, but that child can continue to go to school on a normal function even though many times they've lied and been proven and there seems to have been built within our system no consequences for their life and and once that has rumored out even they are proven they go to court and they prove that they're innocent the damage that has been done to their character their reputation and their name because somebody's going to believe it they're going to believe that. And now, and I know that you've got to start somewhere. And I asked this question. I said, why, if you dismiss one, that child should be taken out of the system? And I said, when that child, if it's under age, there still needs to be a consequence for their lying and marring a person's character. So I see that there's flaws in our judicial system 
Uh, and I'm not smart enough to figure it all out. And that's only one small example of, of the things that we have to deal with uh, in society. And I'll never forget the time that a, a lady had told a tale on Brother Dave Lanard. Many of you don't even remember him. Uh, you wasn't even born in his era. But Brother Dave Lanard uh, was uh, pastoring the church. And a lady had marred his name, told a lie on him. I mean, uh, about to ruin his ministry. Matter of fact, it went to the point to where they took him to court. And he was tried by a lot with the, uh, the, the judge. And they, they had, the, this woman was her own witness. And uh, it came time for them to call her up. And she sat and did do all the swearing and the oaths and all of that. Tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help her. And the judge looked at her and said something along these lines. He looked at her and asked her this question. And here, Brother Dave Lanard had just come in in his normal apparel. He was a very neat dresser. He sure was. He, was, he, just, he looked like a businessman all the time. He just had that neatness about him and a great spirit with it. But Brother Dave Lanard was there probably with his lawyer or whoever was representing him and, and, and this lady. And the judge looked over at that lady before he started and letting them examine and cross-examine. He looked at that lady and said, Ma'am, said you are lying on this man. And he may have said that a time or two. And finally, she broke down on the witness stand and admitted, yes, I lied on him. And the judge went on to say, said, said I can tell you how I know that you lied on this man. Said, when this man walked through the doors, there was an angel walking with him, praise God, on each side. And God allowed that judge of that day to see who was guilty and who was not guilty. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you tonight, God knows if we're guilty or if we're not guilty. Amen. And so this was the case here. But it, but it goes on, and, it, and again, it emphasizes in these verses that uh, uh, when he knoweth of it, amen. Once it's made known unto us, it's not, not once that somebody else finds it out, but once we become aware, many of us in our Christian walk through life, we didn't know that some things were wrong. But once we found out they were wrong, then we were guilty. You see, that's what he's talking about. We become guilty. And, and, and when we find that we're guilty then we, we have no excuse because we now have the knowledge and the known no, the, the no knowledge of what is right and what was wrong. But I'm glad tonight that he, he made a way that we could have that fixed. Even though we can be guilty of anything, but God all, has always made a way and given mankind an opportunity to fix the wrong in their lives and make it right. 
Amen. There's not a one of us that hasn't had a wrong in our life that God didn't help us make it right. He did not compromise for us, but he forgave us, and that was the process here in the book of Leviticus. And so we're dealing with guilty or not guilty. We see in Matthew chapter 26, uh, here Jesus has been put on trial to find out whether or not he's guilty or not guilty. In verse 57, they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest. And when the scribes and the elders were assembled, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false, false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, and yet they found none, and at the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it that these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus saith unto them, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard of his blasphemy. What think ye? Question. They answered and said, Their verdict was this. They said, He is guilty of death. So seemingly he was tried by a multitude and not by a judicial system, which was completely out of, uh, out, of, out of balance with what they were supposed to do. But yet he, he told them, they said, are you really the son of God? He said, yes, I am, in so many words. When he told them that he could uh, destroy the temple in three days and rebuild it, he was speaking about this earthly temple that would raise in three days. Their ignorance was pitiful. And yet, he, they said here, and he said, I'm going to sit at the right hand of power, speaking of God, and I, you're going to see me coming in the clouds again. And this upset the priest so much that he began to tear his clothes off of him and become so disturbed. And, and they asked this question, now what do y'all think about? They said, I'll tell you what we think about. It. He ought to be killed. He's guilty. Of blasphemy. He's guilty of all of that. And though we know tonight that he was not guilty. And when they found him guilty in their eyes. Then did they spit in his face. They buffeted him. They smacked him around. Another smote him with the palms of their hands. Saying. And this is out of mockery. Prophesy unto us thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? And, and so we're finding their, their case was saying, you're guilty. But I'm going to say tonight, I believe they looked in the wrong direction. There was somebody else guilty of some crimes committed here 
Amen. They were the ones that were guilty, not Jesus. He was not worthy of death. One old song was written about it and said, Oh, he's guilty of love in the first degree. And there was where he was put on trial to find out whether or not he was guilty. Stay with us now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 through 29. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped it, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, and that means with sin in their life, hypocrisy, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What was he saying? He was saying that if we took that unworthily, that we're in the same boat of those that crucified him and smote him, that tried him and said, you're guilty of death. We're no better off than they are. And some, when it comes time to do uh, the breaking of the bread and drinking the wine, some people panic. And they say, oh, I'm, I'm not worthy to do that. If you can't do that, you can't go to heaven. You can't go to heaven. If, you can't, if you're not worthy enough, because he said if we were that, then we're guilty of his blood. We're guilty of all of that. And so he tells them here, he says, But let every man examine himself, check things out, let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He was not forbidding, but he was saying, Check yourself out. Try, put your own self on trial and find out whether or not you're guilty. And I'm going to be honest with you tonight. If we're guilty, we better not drink it. And I'm going to tell you what tonight. There ain't one of us so, so far off in the loony boonies somewhere that we don't know when we have sinned and we don't know when we're guilty or not. We know every time we disobey God. We know every time that we broke the command. I don't care how good we're hiding it. I don't care how good we've done it. We know when we're guilty or not guilty. And if I know it, God knows it. Don't he? God knows it. And so, he, he tells them here about that. James 2 talks about this here. He says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons and you commit sin and are convinced of the law of the tra as transgressors, and whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, one point. One point. How's the old song that Brother Gip used to sing? 99 and a half won't do. We put that in decimal form. 99.5 won't do. You, we would think that, that just one half of a point don't really matter. But the Lord said, and the Bible said, I mean, here in the book of James, He said, no matter if we keep a whole law, and yet we offend in one point, we're guilty of everything else. We'll be tried on the same basis and principles as if we had never kept the first commandment. 
Amen. Now, tonight, how important is it to be guilty or not guilty? And you see, it, it gets down here. We're not talking about Jesus. We're not talking about false witnesses. We're, we're talking about ourselves. We examine ourselves to find out whether or not we're guilty or not guilty. And before this service is over tonight, we're going we're gonna to try to have a, a case against somebody in the Bible to find out if they're guilty or not guilty. For he said, and he that said, do not commit adultery, and said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. May not be committing adultery, but if you're killing, you're still in the same boat. We don't have three or four boats to ride around this lake of life. We got one boat to ride in, and if we ride in that one, we're guilty as if we'd committed everything. So speak ye, so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, and that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. So what is he saying here? We got to know whether we're guilty or not guilty. How many tonight know their self? Huh? Do we know when we've heard? Do, do you, you have to have some evangelist come through or a pastor or myself or somebody else come and tell you when you've done wrong? No, let me tell you what. There's a spirit out of heaven. It's called, there's a, a, a condemning and a convicting spirit that will check us from within and he'll let us know whether we're guilty or not guilty. He'll come by. It'll knock at our heart's door. It may be slid under the rug. It may be hid behind the curtain. It may be put somewhere in the back of our mind. But I'm going to tell you tonight, we know exactly whether we have been found guilty or not guilty. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We go on down here where I want to read from. This may sound strange. What I'm going to read to you. I know we're quiet, but we've been quiet in the whole service, and I'm not worried about the quietness. Amen. Because I've already felt heaven's Holy Ghost. I'm a preaching to somebody here tonight more ways than one that I... I and that's not... Uh, and I'm not uh, necessarily... It sounds like that I'm a preaching about being guilty of sin, and I do want to touch that. But I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to talk about some other things beyond that. But if you if if I if if I've uh, if if the word has pricked your heart tonight in this service, though it may not be the main theme of what I'm a preaching about, but we ought to respond to what I have said because I have said it by the authority and the power of the Holy Ghost that I feel upon my being right now. Praise God, praise God. That's right. Praise the Lord. It's not me, but I'm talking to you by the authority of the Holy Ghost in heaven, which has anointed me to preach the gospel and try to lead this church uh, until my time of departure or until the time that the Lord would come back. And so it's not my opinion necessarily, but it's God's thoughts and what God wants. But in the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21... 
The Bible said, and when Jesus was passed again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter, life at the point of death, I pray thee, come and, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Had a crowd around him. And a certain woman, which was in this crowd, you see, which had an issue of blood twelve years, had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou... Who touched me? He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Amen. And what I'm wanting to really preach tonight, and again, as I covered some other things, and again, I, I, I feel like that unintentionally, I probably hit some spots that needed to be hit. Amen. But what I want to try to get to us tonight, Jesus looked about all of the crowd. And really, do y'all think Jesus knew who touched him? I believe he really did. If he knows the things are far off, things are coming... Jesus certainly realized who touched him. But, but just for the sake of the matter tonight, we're going to find out who is guilty tonight of touching Jesus or not touching Jesus. Won't you stay with me now? Who here among us tonight has been guilty of touching Jesus? And who's here tonight not guilty of touching Jesus? There was things that we... And I made a list of things, and as I thought about them, I made a list of things and uh, trying to uncover some evidence about who was it in the crowd that touched Jesus. The, the disciples couldn't figure it out. They said, Lord, that, that there's a pile of people around you. Lord, and all the people that's brushing up against you and bumping you and, and all that, how in the world can you just pick out that somebody touched? And no doubt there was others, Jim, that, that was bumping him with their body. But this was different. Jesus said, at the point when this one touched me, there was something went out of me into them. Glory to God. How many can tell when something comes out of him and comes into you? Praise God. Without, without, 
without a, a, a big notice of it, Jim. Something can come out of heaven and shoot right straight down through us, come out the bottoms of our feet, glory to God. I'm going to tell you what, I've been guilty before of feeling it. Praise God. I've been as guilty as could be of feeling the Lord. Amen. And so, with that thought in mind, let's see what we, who we can find out, what we can find out about her. And I'm going to tell you things that I look today, and I'm sure there's much more. But here are some things that we don't know about her. We don't know what her name is. So I can't go through and ask and say, who is this? Because we don't know her name. The next thing, we don't know any family information. If she's married, if she's got children. We don't know if she's a mom or a grandma. We don't know any of those things. We have no idea. We don't even know by what I've read here how old a woman she is. I know one thing, she was older than 12 because she'd had this issue of blood 12 years and she was considered an adult. We, again, we don't know of her marital status. We don't even know if she went to church as we would call it today. We don't know if, what her real belief was. We don't know what doctors she went to, what specialists, as they said earlier, that they went to or what their names were. We don't have, we, it's just hard to find out a whole lot about this woman. We don't even know how much money she spent other, could have been a lot, could have been a little bit. But whatever she spent, we know she spent it all. But the amount, we don't know that about her. We don't really know where she really lived. If she lived there or if she lived somewhere else or, or, uh, we don't know all of these things. So, it seems like that we just can't figure much out about her. We don't even know what kind of clothes she had on. Don't know the color. Don't know the size of it. No identification. We, we don't even know uh, about where she went to after the Lord touched her. So it seems like that we just don't have a lot of information about this woman. But I'll tell you one thing. After, but when Jesus felt something go out of him, he asked that question, which one of y'all touched me? Which one of you all has touched me? Amen. And the Bible said that when Jesus turned about and looked at her, her fearing of him, number one, the first touching a man and touching with an issue of blood. And so there she was, uh, felt guilt come over her of touching Jesus. She was afraid because she had touched him. But when Jesus turned about, the Bible said that she feared and trembling, scared nearly to death. Knowing what was done in her, she came and fell down before him. She was looking for mercy and compassion. She was falling on the mercy of the court because she was the one that was guilty of touching Jesus. She could have been cast away and tried because she had illegally touched a man that was not her spouse. She went beyond the manners and customs of that day 
beyond what people thought you should do and the way you should do it. But she pushed herself because she had such a need in her life. And yet, those disciples couldn't tell who it was. They couldn't go through the crowd and find out who is guilty of touching Jesus. Praise God. But Jesus knew, and the Bible said, this woman came and, and fell at his feet. And she told him all the truth. Everlast, but didn't hide nothing. And I thought about this, what she told him. Why was it? Because, number one, she was, was guilty of touching Jesus. But more so, I feel like there was other things in her life that she was guilty of. And the Bible said she felt like she had to tell him the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Amen. You know why? Because she had felt something had been done in her. Amen. When we get to feeling the power of God and something done in us, don't, we won't mind telling the truth. We won't mind because we become guilty of touching Jesus. Amen. How many remembers when they prayed through, you became guilty of touching Jesus? Huh? Was we not guilty? Praise God. Were we not guilty of confessing our sins and saying, Lord, forgive me of everything I've done. Lord, I'm going to do better. I'm telling you tonight, we need a more people tonight found guilty of touching Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about guilty of sin. We don't need people to be found guilty of sin unless they're sinning. But tonight, the devil can just get you and I not to want to touch Jesus, not to feel the power of God. Hallelujah. Why has the service been like it has tonight? Because there's people here tonight that's guilty, uh, 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 that don't want to touch Jesus. But if you want to touch Jesus, you'd have been a standing up. You'd have been a singing. You'd have been a clapping your hands. You'd have been a trying to get in the service. You'd have been doing something. Hallelujah. So what is it? We've been found not guilty. Amen. You may have never heard it used this way. That's the way I felt like the Lord gave it to me. That we need... When we're found not guilty, amen, of touching Jesus. We come to church and we sit on our pew and we do more criticizing than we do praying for what's going on. We see all the flaws and smalls and everything else. I'm going to tell you tonight, praise God, I'd like to be found guilty as everything. I'd like to be found as guilty as could be. I'd like to be, if it to be said that when I came to church, that I, uh, I felt the power of God. That somewhere in that service, in that song, in that prayer line, in the preaching, in the testifying, that I reached out and I touched Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. How would you like tonight that they found guilty, praise God, of touching Jesus? Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. We got people all around us sick. And I'm going to tell you what. When you want to be found guilty of touching Jesus, you'll try to live better. People that say that they, they, they want to be healed and they want to see their people healed and they don't change their life, they don't start measuring up, they're not wanting to touch Jesus. They're not wanting to be found guilty of touching Him. But let me tell you, He said here, if you go take of that cup, you begin and you are found guilty. You found that. He said, examine yourself and fix it up. 
to where that you can be found guilty of feeling the power of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, shouting, running out, having the Holy Ghost speaking and a glorifying God. Hallelujah. I'm guilty right now. Glory to God. I'm guilty of feeling the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm guilty tonight all over because I want to touch Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I don't mean to sound too critical, but I'm a serious as heart attack right now. Now you know how serious heart attacks are. Praise God. I'm going to tell you tonight, there's time there's some people they like to do when we got visitors. We ain't the only church plague to that. They like to do when we've got a certain things going on. But let me tell you what, when there ain't no visitors here, there ain't no special singers here, I still want to be found guilty of trying to feel the power of God and worshiping God and the power of the Holy Ghost. Find me guilty, Lord. Put me on trial tonight and see if there's enough evidence to convict me. Jim, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You're guilty. You're guilty of wanting to have church. You're guilty of raising your hand. You're guilty of walking out of here and standing up. Praise God. How many tonight is there enough evidence to, con to uh, condemn us or could tell us that we're guilty of wanting to have church tonight? Under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I told you. You had to stay with me just a little bit. Praise God. I know when you talk about seeing things get quiet. Praise God, and it needs to. But I'm going to tell you tonight, there's that other guilt tonight that I need to be found guilty. Amen. Amen. This woman was found guilty of overriding barriers that normally they wouldn't normally do. Of touching that man with that issue of blood. She went beyond and her financial means. She was guilty of spending everything she had. She was guilty of trying all other things. But greatest of all, her guilt was, Master, you want to know who touched you? She didn't walk up with a high, haughty spirit. I'm the one who touched Jesus. I'm the one that got the prayer through. I'm the one that gets credit for this. No. The Bible said she fell down in front of him and she was just a trembling and a nervous wreck. Why? Because she was found guilty of touching Jesus. Glory to God. That touch that she was found guilty of, it changed her life. She felt that something happened to her. Amen. Amen. When was the last time you was found guilty of feeling the power of God? When was the last time that we were found guilty of pressing through that old bad feeling, that old tired feeling, that old headache, that worry, that concern? Say, Lord, I'd like to get over where I can touch you. Lord, I've got a lot of work to do next week. Lord, I'm in, I don't have enough money. Lord, I'm in mean, all kinds of problems. But Lord, I still want to come over. Lord, I'm going to get through all that. I'm pressing through the crowd, Lord. I'm telling you, they're elbow to elbow against me. And all the people, Lord, and I'm weak in body. I've been sick for 12 years. Lord, I can't buy my way. don't have nothing to buy my way through. 
But Lord, I'm going to do everything and all that I got left. I believe she used her last the strength that was in her body to reach out and touch Jesus. Amen. Tonight, amen. Let's stand. Praise God. Give us a song. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know that song says touching Jesus is all that matters or anything like that or what? You got there, Jordan? You got it? Amen. Praise God. Tonight, this altar's open for you to become guilty. Amen. In this service of touching Jesus. Amen. You can leave here tonight and somebody say, who was it that touched Jesus for somebody? Somebody that's sick in body. Somebody that needs to touch Jesus. Gina, that's what's happened to you, Dad. Amen. He probably should have been dead by nature's law. But you know why? I don't know who it was to you. I don't know. But I know somebody's guilty of touching Jesus. Praise God. And others around tonight. Somebody was guilty of getting a hold of the Lord. And they reached out and through prayer and faith, they touched Him tonight. I know it's different in the... In, in the but most time we don't like to be found guilty of things. But, but tonight, I believe we need to be found guilty when we leave here, don't you? Think about that, Gerald. Are you a little bit guilty tonight already? Huh? I believe you are. Praise God. You're guilty, Gerald. Praise God. Anybody else felt God and they're guilty tonight for touching the Lord? Amen. You found the Lord. Amen. This altar's open while they sing a song, if you will, please. <laughs>